0: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 183 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. Excited to be here with you today with my special guest, the lovely Emily Spicer. Emily is an exercise physiologist, a health coach, and a personal trainer, and she joins me today to talk all about Protein. This is a subject I get so many questions about, concerns about, and there's a lot of confusion around what should you do, why should you be doing it, so we talk through all the aspects of protein. Why is it important for you? How much should you be getting? How come the RDA says one thing, but a lot of the coaches you know on Instagram, including myself, tell you, hey, wait, that's actually not enough. How do you get that protein in? Like, how do you practically get enough protein in your diet? What swaps can you make? What foods can you eat? this episode is for you if you have any questions about protein now before we jump into the episode quick reminder that in exactly three weeks from today fitter after 40 opens again i only open this is my signature course and i only open it twice per year it's literally the only way to start working with me so if you've been listening along to the podcast and you're like i like what she has to say and i wish that she could actually help me this is your chance Get on the wait list. The link is going to be right in the show notes. You can find it there easily. If you join from the wait list, you get a bonus and a discount. So you're definitely going to want to join through there. In eight weeks, we're going to cover exactly how you should be eating, exactly how you should be moving your body for incredible results. If you want to lose weight, if you want to lose inches, you want to lose um, sizes, you want to gain confidence, you want to feel comfortable in your body and in your clothes, this is for you. All right, on with the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome, Emily.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so
0: glad that you're here. So Emily Spicer, tell us a little bit about you before we jump into here. Uh, Where are you from? What do you do? Did you see the Barbie movie? All the good stuff. (laughs)
1: Well, I've not seen the Barbie movie yet. I I will put that on my list, but um, (laughs) I, I am born and raised in North Dakota, but currently my husband and I just, we moved to Arizona. So we've been here a few months and are absolutely loving it. So um, it's been a nice change of pace from, from the North Dakota weather to the Arizona. And, and so everybody, everybody thinks it's so hot, but I am loving it. <laughs> um, yeah. And so basically what I do is I'm a, I'm a health and wellness coach. I I help people, um, you know, kind of shed the diet mentality, you know, lose fat, just heal the relationship with food. And, and I do that with nutrition. I do that with fitness and we do the mindset piece as well. So so, um all things health and wellness uh, is kind, kind of my jam and uh, my background is an i'm an exercise physiologist and i have my master's in public health and certified in in the mind body stuff as well so i like i like to hit all three of those pillars with my clients so that's kind of kind of fantastic
0: what I, fantastic
1: yeah. born
0: and raised in north dakota
1: born and raised yeah yeah. And what are you seeing That's is the biggest
0: time. difference between North Dakota and Arizona outside of obviously the temperature, anything yeah. you're noticing, like in the culture, the people, anything that you're like, wow, this is different.
1: So everybody thinks North Dakota is so, can, you know, I will say the opportunities here are so much more in the lifestyle, not that North Dakotas are, you know, North, North Dakotans, um, everybody thinks I'm from Canada because I'm very close to Winnipeg. I can hear that in your, in your accent. I would have guessed Canada. So I often get asked if I'm Canadian. I'm like, no, almost no. Um, but it's the opportunities are so much more in the lifestyle that I see people living here just, you know, they can be outside more like literally eight months out of the year in North Dakota is, you know, fall or winter. And Mm. so it actually gave me a lot of, um, when it comes to people's health and wellness helping them deal with you know not being able to be outside and be active and things like that but um just the lifestyle here i have a trader joe's now i've never I, <laughs> well there I, you I, have it you just I, hit I've on the number one a- difference <laughs> yeah access to trader joe's <laughs> yeah i mean i would have to travel like all the way to Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is almost like five hours from where I live for like oh my the newness. so I love I love a Trader Joe's. Um just little things like that. I miss my family terribly. I come from a pretty large family and they're all still up there. but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's
0: well, it's worth it for the Trader Joe's, I suppose. Look, I have to say, <laughs> I feel like I do not. I do not deserve to have a Trader Joe's as close to me as I do because I don't use it as frequently as I do. So there's a Trader Joe's, I don't know, maybe a 12-minute drive from my house, but it's not necessarily the direction I go all the time. Yes, And so I don't typically shop there. But every so often, my son and his girlfriend, for whatever reason, love to go there. There's something there she likes, so he'll go there. And I'm like, oh, can you grab me this or that? But I don't really go there all that often. And I always feel guilty when people like express their love for Trader Joe's <laughs> that they don't have one. I'm like, I'm just not taking advantage of this. We'll have
1: to swap Trader Joe's
0: signs. <laughs> and uh, I had a friend, um, she used to do a podcast with me, Sarah Duff, and she was from England. And when she would fly to the States, she would literally fill a suitcase with Trader Joe's like shelf stable <laughs> items to take back to, to London. And I, I always felt guilty. I'm like, I've, I've got to okay. go more. I've got to go more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that Good for her.
0: <laughs> um, Okay, so our topic today is one of the things I get asked about. It's definitely top five questions I get asked, which is on the topic of protein. Everybody wants to talk about protein because they, everyone has heard it's important and everyone struggles with it. So that's going to be our subject today. We're going to do like a protein uh, primer here. We're going to talk all things protein. So let's start here. For those who are like, yeah, I get it. I keep hearing that I should eat protein, but I'm not even sure why let's kind of talk through what are some of the benefits of protein?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when it comes to fat loss, I think everybody, you know, they probably heard that it's the most satiating macronutrient, right? It, it takes longer to digest. So it's, from when, when people are trying to lose fat, if they're in a deficit, we want to prevent that hunger. And that's a big part of it. Um, but I also look at protein as like, you know, that's your muscle mass. It's your bone density. It is, you know, it is not just, you know, your, your pretty muscles. And, and as far, and this is like a lot of what you teach on too, with your programs is once we hit a certain age and we start losing that muscle mass, I mean, we, we can preserve it by or fight the aging process, right, by, by getting enough of that protein in, um, along with the strength training, of course, but yeah, when I look at protein, it's not, it's your muscle mass, it's your satiety, but it's also your bone density. It's also like, as we age, if you know, if we're, when we need that surgery, or if we were to ever fall, like we want our bodies to be strong, we want our bodies to be, you know, fit. And like I said, that combination of eating that protein, and lifting those heavy weights i mean it's key and so it's yeah and so i i always you know why the good lord made protein you know not crackers and cookies <laughs> i mean right like why can't it, it have to be those harder foods to get in for me? so like a lot of what i do is like helping people
0: Are you telling me that's like on your short list of questions for God? When you finally get to heaven, you want to know, like, why was that? Why are chocolate chip cookies not protein? And I know
1: you can buy the (laughs) the protein ones or whatever, but it's like they're not
0: they don't they don't taste the
1: same. They don't don't taste the
0: same. And there's like a lot of carbs in
1: there anyway, too, right? yeah.
0: (laughs) Why can't cake be a high protein food? Why? Um, (laughs) So, yeah, you hit on a lot of the important benefits there. And I really like that you started with one that people don't often think about, which is um, the protective benefits that protein can give us as we age. It's so important for us as we're aging to spare that muscle. And we've got two things that can help us do that. It's the lifting and it's the protein. And we need both of them. Um, and sure, you, you also mentioned, you know, the aesthetic piece. And ladies who are listening, it is a piece of that. Looking like fit and toned, it's not just fat loss, right? Everyone thinks they can like fat loss themselves to a fit body. And it's yeah. not the case. That is definitely a piece of it. If you have more fat on your body um, than is than is desirable, losing the fat is a piece of it but also building muscle. And you can't do that without eating enough protein. And then you also hit on the other one, which a lot of people do mention, which is it's the most filling of all of the macronutrients. And so, you know, if you don't want to be hungry while you're in a deficit, getting in enough protein is like, that's like primo suggestion.
1: It's probably one of the, you know, I come from the mindset too, of like when somebody starts on their health journey, looking at, you know, not always take people think they have to take away take oh I can't have this like the what you know I'm not going to be able to eat this and then it's like, hey let's just focus on getting in more protein and by default most people they're feeling so much more satisfied that they kind of the other things kind of trickle off a little bit and yeah and, and making sure that when some somebody does come to you to lose weight they actually lose fat and keep that muscle and so that's, that's a big part of it is like, we don't want to turn you into the skinny fat person with a really crappy metabolism, just to get you to a number on a scale, you know, like that's yeah. not what we want. Yeah. I absolutely. always say hey, more than you think you should, you know, or like, you know, if you keep that muscle, you're going to be a dense little, yeah, a little, yeah,
0: that- absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: okay. So we're getting it in your minds, people, you need to eat your protein. So the next question that comes up is like, okay, how much protein? People hear what the RDA is, and then they hear, wait, why are, why are coaches telling me to eat more? So let's talk a little bit about that. What is the RDA? What is the purpose of that amount? And why do we as coaches who talk to people who want to lose weight and get fit, why are we giving them different numbers?
1: Yeah. Well, I can't, I don't even know if I know the exact RDA like to quote it, but I know it's, what is it? Is it
0: 0.6? It's 0. 0.36 per pound yeah. and per kilogram. It might be, is that, that does that equal 0.6? I think it's 0. 0.8. I think it's 0. 0.8 grams per kilogram, but I do not think in kilograms. I think in pounds.
1: <laughs> yeah. I tell my, and I always, I aim a little bit higher because people tend to fall short and that typically tends to where they need to be. But I just, I say like, ideally one, one gram of protein per pound of body weight, like, or, and if you're, if you have weight to lose goal body weight, um, yeah. and, and it's a, um you know, it's a goal and most people, like I said, they fall a little bit short and that tends to be where they, you know, and I. I always just look at too, it's like, you know, what is it 0.7 to, you know, one gram per pound of body weight. And it's like, well, you know, and you can go over that too. There's really, unless you have kidney things, like you don't, you don't really need to worry about your protein intake, but that's my typical recommendation simply because I want to again, preserve that muscle mass. I want to make sure you're feeling satisfied. Um, and so, yeah, that that's my, perspective in my opinion on where people should. Yeah.
0: Mine falls right in line with that too, that 0.72 to one gram per pound of body weight. For those who have a lot of excess body weight to lose, we look at the same numbers, but times your goal body weight, you know, times lean body mass. But a lot of people are like, well, what would my lean body weight be? They don't really know. And so I always say times your goal body weight, like what would your optimal goal body weight be? Let's multiply that 0.72 and that one, you know, times your goal body weight. And then we have a range there they can fall in. And, um, it's so much more than that RDA because, you know, 150 pound woman, if she's going to get one times her body weight, that's 150 grams. And I, off the top of my head, I can't think of what 0.7 is, but 0.36, it's like 54 grams of protein, which to be honest is what a lot of women are hitting when they first come to me. It's really common to be in the fifties, sixties, sometimes even forties because the standard American diet is very carb heavy. It's very carbon fat heavy. And protein, it's kind of like, we'll have some spaghetti with meatballs and the spaghetti is the big part, right? And the meatballs are the side, or we're having some kind of casserole that's on mostly rice with a little chicken or okay. you know whatever the foods that we're eating, it's very carbon fat heavy with almost like this little side dish of protein. So we've got it really flipped. And so getting people from that point, you know, that 54 grams, usually the first step I give people is like, let's just shoot for a hundred grams to start. Let's see what strategies can we use to get you there. And then we can move up to that 0.72 or that one times goal body weight, because it's a big leap for so many people.
1: And it can cause a little bit of gastric distress too. in some people going from so little to so high. And one thing I like to do with my clients is, you know, have build out a day for them and to have them tell me what they like to eat and simply like say, okay, this, this is how based off of the foods you like to eat. This is how we can get you to that goal weight eventually. But you know, like sometimes you said, like, it's a process for people, but yeah, a lot of people, am I think I get enough protein. And then you see what they're doing and it's like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: and uh, That RDA number is really the amount that is going to help people not be deficient, right? It's going to help prevent disease. It's going to help prevent problems, but it's not going to optimize their body composition. It's not going to help with that hunger as much. It's not going to help preserve that muscle mass. It's kind of like Hitting the RDA is kind of like getting a D if we're talking about school, right? Like A, B, C, D, E, F. You're not failing if you're hitting the RDA. Like you're getting a solid D. But is a D what we're looking for if we're talking about optimizing body composition, if we're talking about preventing hunger, if we're talking about sparing our muscle as we age? Most of us are not looking for a D, right? We, We want way more than that. And so then we got to get up there more. So let's talk about some more ideas. That was a great um, strategy you just gave there is having people like help them like do a sample day of getting that protein target. What are other practical strategies that you use to help people increase their protein?
1: Well, one thing that I've noticed is people think they have to add all these things in, right? And I, I'm like, no, no, like let's just look at the proteins that you are eating and, and increase the portion size. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, who eats? I, you look at like, chicken and it's like two ounces. It's like, well, yeah. that's for like a toddler. Like what is <laughs> <laughs> on the package or that four ounces? You know, that's just a suggestion. And then, Oh, okay. So that four ounces is giving me 120 calories and 25 grams of protein. Great. Maybe I want to have 30 to 35 grams. Oh, will maybe I'll have six ounces instead. Right. Or I'm going to, you know um, what, well, another thing I like to do is, is, you know, make sure that, you know, a lot of people eat like these, you know, protein pastas, which I think are great supplements or great add-ins. But like to make like one or two proteins uh, that you eat in a day, kind of a leaner pro, like the chicken, the the pork tenderloins, the tunas, the the egg egg whites with some with your whole egg. Like getting these basically pure protein sources and utilizing those more. And then you know, then you can kind of save up some of your calories for some other things. But I love doing stuff like that too. And I think protein powder is great. I think food first hundred percent. But like if somebody is struggling to get protein in, it can be a nice little sweet thing for them too. It's not just like, well, go eat some more tuna, you know, when like that's the last thing they might want. It's like, <laughs> like protein powder into your pancake mix or hey let's make a protein shake and just sip on that throughout the day. Or, you know what I mean? Like there's so many fun ways that you can use protein powders as well to help increase that amount. But yeah, I like to look at what people like to eat, start with increasing their portion sizes and then introduce them to things too. It's like, Hey, can we swap out that mayonnaise for some plain Greek yogurt, or even just combine the two to kind of help you? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Creative with cottage cheese. I think it's having its, it's, come back. <laughs> it is.
0: It's like everywhere. Cottage yes. cheese is everywhere. And look, I'm a huge cottage cheese fan. So I do love it. They're doing some pretty wild things with it, but, yeah. but yeah. it's good stuff. And it's great. As far as like a nice lean protein source.
1: I had a client, she, I, I communicate with my clients through a, a messaging app called Voxer. And she, she was like, deathly afraid of cottage cheese. And I just encouraged her to try it and to actually whip it. If you haven't whipped your cottage cheese, totally changes the game, but she's just obsessed with, she's adding it to her eggs and her, she's cooking with it and making dips with it. And it's just like, it's, it's fun to see people get excited about their food. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah,
0: I had somebody message me. I did a post about cottage cheese last week and she's like, I gotta be honest. She's like, I say all the time, I don't like cottage cheese, but I've never actually tasted it. It just scares me to look at it. <laughs> And I was like, it's I feel like this could be a moment where you could step into the darkness and be a little bit brave and just and just try it. And your idea of whipping it is a really good idea for those people who are kind of turned off by that texture. I frankly like the texture. I like a nice chunky cottage cheese, but a lot of people, it's just that disgusts them. And so whipping it is fantastic. Whether you're going to then eat it plain, or whether you're going to put it in your eggs, or put it in. Um, whatever you're going to put it in, some kind of protein fluff, protein shake, in a recipe. So many great ways you can use them. I make protein pancakes with it. I mean, there's a really lot you can do with it. Some great suggestions you've given there. So, um, Really, I love how you talked about looking for those lean protein sources versus those more, um, and you're right, like those like pastas that are high protein, awesome. And those are great as a supplement. And like, if you're going to have some pasta, a lot of them taste just as good as the regular, you know, non-high protein pastas. Um, It depends on which type you get, um, but using those is kind of like, oh, if I'm going to have pasta, I'll have some of that, but not using that as like your main source because the calorie to protein ratio is just off there. Um, and I also like how you talk about just increasing that portion size of the proteins you're already eating. It's such a winning approach, and people don't think about it. They do think like, oh, I need to add more in. Like, what kind of weird concoction can I come up with or product? But that idea of like, okay, what do you like? And I always start with people like, go ahead and brainstorm a list of like the top 10 protein foods you like. And if you don't know what protein foods are, literally Google high protein foods, look at it. Okay. And then write the top 10 ones down that you like, and then see like, am I eating these already? Oh, I am eating chicken. Can I just eat more chicken? Like you said, so really like having that cheat sheet can help increasing your portion sizes, really relying on those leaner protein sources and filling in the gap um, with those other kind of additive sources. And then, like you said, using protein as a supplement, the protein powder, it doesn't, it shouldn't be the mainstay, but I do find that for a lot of people getting a protein shake in there in some way, some protein powder in there in some way can really help to kind of push them to that top end of, um, you know, especially if there's somebody who's really struggling to even just get to that baseline of a hundred, like, okay, let's just add a protein shake a day. Um, I heard you
1: want to know what, who you were talking to, but how you talked about shrimp was one of your, oh gosh, yes. I mean, keeping frozen shrimp and just thawing it out in the sink for a few minutes. There you go, right? Yes. Yeah. I yep. really
0: like that one. That That's an easy one, like keeping shrimp on hand because there's literally not even cooking. You literally just put it under some cold water and it's ready to throw on your salad or whatever you want to do with it keeping tuna packs ready. That's a good one. Um, I like how you just suggested that people mix the mayo with the Greek yogurt because sometimes people are really not super keen on subbing their mayo out for the Greek yogurt. Um, I do it, um, but I think they still like that mayo taste. So just maybe like having your mayo and putting some Greek yogurt in, that's a great idea.
1: Have a um a pasta salad that I send to a lot of my clients. It's using like the the bonza chickpea noodles or any lentil pasta, and then you know the using the Greek yogurt instead of the mayo, or like you say half and half, adding some like edamame in there, like mm-hmm. pepperonis. It's it's and they were always surprised at how much. Protein can be in something like a pasta salad, um, but just I was just thinking too. Another way that I always that people don't think about to add more protein is when you're making like your rice or um, you're even steaming your vegetables using a bone broth, like get mm-hmm. that extra protein instead of water. Not only for the flavor, but that extra protein that's always yeah. best. For kids too. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great strategy. Again, just to like give it that little like oomph
0: of protein, like just a little bit more in there. Um, love that. Um, what about for people who are plant based? I talk to a lot of people. They're like, I don't eat chicken and I don't eat uh beef and all this. What are some of your strategies to help them?
1: Yeah. Well, we definitely have to make sure we get their complete proteins in, right? We have to make sure, you know, because you know. Protein, there's complete and incomplete. So, you know, obviously we're hitting the tofu. We're looking at the, can we pause
0: for a minute? Can you explain to people the difference between a complete protein and an incomplete protein?
1: Yes, yeah, So like a, a complete protein is hitting all the essential amino acids. So like those are in animal products, right? So um, when you're vegetarian or vegan, you have to combine protein sources because they don't have all of the essential amino, amino acids to make the complete protein. So um, that's, does that explain it good enough? I think. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I guess the only other thing we'd say is the essential amino acids are those that our body can't make. Like we have to yes. get them from food
1: And uh, animal products is where they're found. Yeah, so simply combining your protein sources um, as a vegetarian or a vegan is very important to make sure. And this is where I make sure too, and a lot of people use collagen. That's a very hot topic these days too, when they use, they supplement with the collagen powder, Mm. making sure that they realize that, great, but it's not, it's not a complete source of protein. And so making sure you get other, other things in there throughout your yeah, day.
0: And I specifically think because of the fact that collagen is not a complete protein, look, the whole point of a supplement is to get you a little bit more. So why would we supplement with something that's not even top notch? Yeah. The only time I would recommend using collagen, if a person is like using it because they want to like hair nails because there is some you know some limited research that says it can help with that and so if a person's like that's really what I'm using it for great use it count that protein but if you're really trying to get a protein supplement let's choose something that's actually a complete protein source so let's get away let's get a pea let's get um any protein source that has a complete uh complete protein
1: i think if they're looking for a protein powder making sure that they get a blend you know, a blend of the protein, the, the vegan protein powders. Cause that's a, you know, not just like the egg or the, you know, the plant-based ones, making sure that whatever one you buy has a blend of the, of the proteins. That's, that's important too, to kind of make sure that you are getting all of the, um, essentials in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know a lot
0: of, a lot of people who are plant-based, um, and struggling with protein, uh, they're trying to be plant-based, um, and doing things really with just like a lot of vegetables and a lot of carb sources. And they're not actually looking at things like tofu, tempeh, seitan. And those are really like the powerhouses for um, getting protein in when you're going to be plant based, like being plant based without those, it can be a real. Ch- I I don't know that people can really even do it. Although a lot of people are um, you know more plant forward, they're not being vegan, so they are doing a little bit of dairy. There's some people are doing you know fish, so that they're more pescatarian. So you can definitely get it in that way, but it definitely takes more plug and play if you're not eating meat.
1: Yeah, it's definitely easier when a, when somebody's eating the eggs and the fish as well because mm-hmm. that's pretty sources. But yeah, it's you know it's. One thing too, that a lot of my vegetarian clients run into is like, they, you know, they, their calories add up quicker because there's always those carbohydrates that come with, you know, like when you eat chicken or when you eat Turkey or shrimp, pretty much pure protein, right? Yeah. But like when these, these vegetarian sources, you get some of the other, uh, macronutrients that come into play that. Yeah. So it's, it's a little yeah. bit more of a doable.
0: So, yeah, and that's why relying on things like beans uh, can really get out of hand when weight loss is your goal. And so, again, for those people, I really like the idea of them charting, like, what is the calorie to protein ratio in the protein sources I'm using? And maybe I need to back off a little bit from using so much like black beans and red beans and have those things, but really dial up these things like tofu and tempeh and find ways to cook them um, so that you like them and that you're getting you know, more like that higher chunk of protein in your diet
1: without all those added calories from the carbs That's an interesting conversation. and it's a hard one to have sometimes when you see what somebody's eating and it's very nutritious foods, right? Yes. But, healthy, I eat healthy, but it's like, but you're still overeating, right? Mm-hmm. You know and it's like nothing that you're eating is is not a healthy choice. And I'm always careful to throw around words like that. But even if these are very nutritious foods, if, if fat loss is the goal, we have to pay attention to overall calories as well. So, you know, it, it it's, but, but that's where the education comes in.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Because healthy eating and weight loss eating can be the same thing, but they're not necessarily the same thing. You can have a very healthy diet. That's not actually going to induce weight loss because it's just too many calories for that particular person. And so we have to tune into like, what's going to work for that person for weight loss, if that's their goal. And you could be eating all healthy foods, but if you're eating more calories than your body um, can handle to be in a deficit, then you're not actually in uh, eating a weight loss diet, even though you're eating a healthy diet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was a lesson I had to learn on my journey. It's like, well, wait a minute. What's going on here? <laughs> it's
0: you know it's definitely one of the common things I see too. I have some people who are just like they know they're not eating healthy. That was how I was. Look. I was somebody who like tried really hard in my 20s and 30s to um, try and <laughs> try and subsist on things like craft macaroni and cheese and tasty cakes. <laughs> and it worked for a time, people. It worked for a time until it didn't. I was no, under no illusion that my diet was healthy. Um, but then I get other people. Who are like, I've always eaten healthy and why can I not lose weight? And in both situations, like obviously I needed to up my nutrient, my nutrition quality and how what I was eating, but it still comes down to total calories, whether you're talking healthy food or more junky food, it comes down to total calories if we're talking about weight loss. Absolutely. Um Let's talk about how to get in enough protein when a person is eating out, because this is something I also see a lot, right? They've got it pretty dialed in um, if they're at home and they're cooking, but then they go out to eat and they're like, "Mm, uh, this is hard to do. What are your tips for clients who are trying to eat out and eat enough protein?
1: Well, when somebody's eating out, like first of all, I ask them, what do you like at the restaurant? Because I always make sure that whatever the person is, is I want them to enjoy their food. So if it's not the highest protein, and let's be real, when you're eating at a restaurant, usually unless you're getting a steak or a chicken breast, right, it's not going to be the easiest thing to get that protein. And so I like to look at the bigger picture. So yes, you can go to the restaurant and order the steak. And sometimes I'll even tell myself, ask for double protein on your sandwich, or if you get the salad, which I'm, you know, if you don't, people have feelings about that, but get ask for double protein on that, or, you know what I mean? So it's like, there are things that you can do there. One of my things I'll tell them, like go to the entree section or the grill section of the menu. And typically, you know, it's going to be a nice hunk of protein, whether it's your steak, your chicken, a piece of fish, and then you typically will get a few sides with that. If you want to go that route, because then, you know, you're not getting a a bowl of pasta with a little bit of protein, you're not getting a hamburger with a bun the size of your head and the chicken breast. (laughs) So if you wanted to like, like go to the entree section, get a nice hunk of pick your protein and get some sides with it. But I also like to look at the whole day. I like to look at the bigger picture. It's like, you know what, if you want to go to this restaurant and spend 600 calories, 700 calories, whatever that you decide, and it's maybe not the highest protein, fine. Let's, let's account for that. But then let's look at what are you doing for breakfast? What are you doing for lunch? What are our snacks? Can we get that protein and more around that meal? Because. The last thing I want is for any one of my clients to go to a restaurant and, and I give it sometimes give and take. Sometimes you're going to go for the leaner protein, but sometimes you just want to have the thing that you love. Right. So it's like, we got to teach them how to do that too. And, and teaching them portion sizes with it and, and saying, okay, so if we're going to, cause one meal is not going to make or break you, but like, what does the rest of the day look like? And what, how are we going to navigate it? I, I, you know, I'm sure you talk about this too. Think of it like your money, like your budget. And if you're going to budget, you know, for this restaurant meal here, great. That means we need to cut back and maybe have a little bit more protein, less carbs and fats. And that's what I teach in my, you know, with my clients, but we get more protein in around that restaurant meal and then, you know, okay, now it's not so big of a deal. And now they don't have that guilt and they learn how to eat what they love. So those are kind of some of my favorite tips with that, I think.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that. I think it comes down to how often is a person eating out and what is the purpose in this particular time eating out? Because sometimes we're literally eating out as a, a way to get food. Like we're not cooking tonight. We're just going out. And I think looking at it as like, this isn't just like me sitting at home eating dinner. I'm just going out and somebody else is going to cook the food. And frankly, that's a really nice treat. That's the treat here is I'm not cooking this and I'm not cleaning it up. And uh, I'm eating out a bunch this week. And so for me right now, it's a vehicle to get some food. And so, yeah, I'm going to order the steak or the fish and, you know, some broccoli or whatever the salad is. But other times we're going out because like it's a special celebration or just like we really want to go to our favorite restaurant and have our pasta. And we don't need to turn that into a high protein meal. It can just be what it is, which is a time to like go to our favorite restaurant and have our pasta. And so I think being really intentional about at the meals that we're having and then, Hey, if we're going out, like, why am I going out? Is this just for fun? Is this like, I do this a lot. And you know, I I cook at home four days per week and three days per week, I week, I eat out. And so this is really just like any old day of the week. And how can I use this meal to still be a part of my, my usual normal kind of meal situation. I think it really depends on that. And I like how you talked about looking at the day overall. So look at the day overall, look at the week overall, look at your overall meal patterns. And um, make your decisions from there.
1: That's definitely a comment you, you brought up. Such a great point there, Kim. Is like if you're eating out every day, like that's probably a conversation, right? Like especially you know if if fat loss is your goal, but even just overall health. Because I hate to say, you know, Sally cooking your your meals, she doesn't really care about your waistline or your your health. She wants <laughs> to taste good, you know. So it's yeah. it, that whole thing. But you're absolutely right. There's some days we're going to do the more leaner option, and some days we yeah, we, we, we have other reasons to celebrate with our food. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Food is not just fuel as much as people like to say that. And I got to tell you, I'm guilty of when I was a newer coach, I used to say that all high time, be like, food is fuel. Like just eat the chicken and the broccoli. What's your problem is what I was thinking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously with experience, you realize that's absolute absurdity. Like we all know just intuitively, we know that food
1: is more than just fuel. Yeah. And you got to look at why we can, you and I both work with people, but if anything we teach or we, we promote, if they can't do it forever, the rest, if it's not sustainable, like great chicken and broccoli, woo. Yay. Fine. But that's not, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to be doing that for 20 years, you know, it's like, okay. Or like with your family, that's a big thing too. You gotta, if you don't see yourself doing it for the long haul, then what the heck are we doing? You know? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
0: All right. Anything else you feel like we need to cover when it comes to protein?
1: I don't know. Um, I think too, you know, you'll see like the protein chips and the protein crackers and the protein breads. And again, I think those are, are great to use as like a supplemental, but, um, you know, to, if fat loss is your goal is to not use those as your main sources. And I think they're great, but, um, to sneak in some protein, but yeah, I just wanted to address, like, if you did want to sneak in more protein with, with your breads or your, you know, things like that, you certainly could, but to still just make the main, the main chunk of your meals, like those leaner sources would be a great, a great approach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And really be careful when you're looking at foods, don't just take for at face value, if something has the word protein on it, because marketers are keen to the fact that everybody wants to be eating high protein and they are slapping that word on everything. And if you actually look at the macros, like the calorie to protein ratio is just way off. Like it's not there. Is yes. there protein in that food? Yes, there is protein in that food. Is it a good source of protein? In so many cases, it is
1: absolutely not. But marketers are just like protein, oh, protein, protein I, everywhere. It's in my very first session that when I meet with a client, it's like I tell them, look at a label. Do they're gonna put all these fancy words on the front, right? And so look at turn it over and I teach them how to read that label. And even on my stories on Instagram, sometimes I'll just go in there and be like, this is not a protein source. This is a carb source with yeah. some protein. And just like show like look look at that. Don't just see that word, that buzzword. And yeah. just be educated. It's 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 sad that they can do that. But again, that's why you and I, you know, hopefully spread spread that message to, to look at <laughs>
0: Yeah. I just this morning posted um, and I post it regularly a couple times a year and it's always controversial, but I posted a post saying uh, protein want? is not uh, peanut butter is not a high protein food yes. <laughs> because people hate it. They hate to hear that. And also everyone listening. I love I love peanut butter. I've had it twice already this week. I've had peanut butter toast with meals um, just because something's not a high protein food does not mean you should not be eating it or it can't be a part of your your day, uh, it just means don't rely on that food as a main protein source. I still count my protein from peanut butter towards my protein goal. But if I was relying on a peanut butter sandwich to be like, that's how I'm getting my protein in in a particular meal. Do you know how much protein I have to get and what the calories would be on that? It'd be out of control. And I also don't even want to eat that much peanut butter. Um, And so just knowing that peanut butter, nuts, (laughs) <laughs> almond butter, all that is not actually a high protein food. And I'm sure pe- some people are listening to this and their jaw is just dropping if they haven't heard that before, because it's marketed as a high protein food.
1: I, I often show the picture of that. You look at a jar of peanut butter, and it's got seven grams of protein right on the label. And then you turn it over and you're like, there's actually more carbs in here than protein there's. And there's like double the amount of fat.
0: Yeah. So-, so
1: much fat. But people see that. And yeah, I, when they have their peanut butter toast for breakfast, I'll say, what was your protein source for breakfast? And then I go, oh, my peanut butter. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> you can
0: have- That was have your, your fat source.
1: <laughs> yeah, anyway, you're, you explained that so perfectly. Yep.
0: Okay, well, I feel like we've covered this topic in depth. If anyone has any questions about protein, you can definitely um, reach out to either of us uh, on social media. I'll for sure let you know where to find Emily in just a second. But before we wrap up, I have to ask you my final question, which I ask everybody who comes onto the podcast because I really like to, to talk about how everybody likes to move their body. Emily, how are you liking moving your body these days? What do you do for fitness?
1: Yes. Well, I'm a big believer in the strength training, um, but I believe in, in, we need, we need strength. We need cardio and even like that flexibility component. So what I'm currently doing is I'm, I'm on a four day strength training split. I like an upper lower, um, four day split, and that just works for me with my schedule. And then I always have a daily step goal. I have a walking pad that I walk on when I'm consulting. Um, so I make sure I get my steps in every day. I like to get in around that 75 to 10,000 every day. Um, and then once or twice a week, I like to get my heart rate up. So I was a tennis player in college and fell in love with jump roping. And so oh. I will, and I will jump for a little bit and that gets my heart rate up. And it's, I kind of zone, it's almost like my form of meditation. If I'm being honest, um, that's so I, really
0: fun. Yeah.
1: And so I don't ever ask me to run. Nope, I will not. That is a <laughs> yeah. jump
0: rope. All right. Yeah. Can you do like, can you do like tricks with your jump rope? Can you like do like the
1: crisscrosses and like, I would not say I'm like a you know total rock star, but I love, I love my jump rope. Yeah. yeah. I and- follow this
0: girl on Instagram or TikTok and she does all these, she like dances with a jump rope. Like she does like, not I don't know, like the <laughs> shuffle and like all those kind of things while she's jumping rope. It's incredible.
1: I did it for my footwork. My coach told me to start jumping rope for tennis. And so I did it really. So I'll grab that a few times a week. And just to get my heart rate up, uh, you know, to work my heart muscles, but pretty much everything else is like zone two cardio. So that lower intense, I I just turned 40. So, you know, I'm not all about the, you know, burpees are for the dogs. I think I I don't uh, do that. The base of my program is strength training. And then I, I, I also get that cardio piece in as Jump well. Up.
0: That's great. Uh, Emily, tell everybody, where can they find you?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I'm Emily Spicer Fitness on Instagram and on Facebook. So um, that's where you can find me. I'm pretty easily accessible there. So yeah, Facebook and Instagram. Emily or- is a veteran on Instagram, has been around forever and had a
0: very big Instagram account that was, what was it? Stolen? What happened to your Instagram account?
1: Yeah. I, and it, I had a, I had a nice following. And so we're, we're rebuilding, rebuilding uh, here. That's good. Yeah. We got hacked and it was unfortunate. So hard lesson learned, not, not, not a fun time, but terrible.
0: You're one of the people who I think of. So when I, 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 I started paying Instagram for the little blue check, when that came out, when that came out, I couldn't do that fast enough. People are like, why would you do that? And I'm thinking like, if I can pay $9 a month to make sure I can get this account back, if somebody takes it, you better believe I'm going to do it. Because I know too many people like you who worked really hard and put out really good
1: content. And then it's just gone
0: in the poof of an eye because a hacker gets to you. I
1: still try to this day to get that account back. But so maybe one day, but we, yeah. So Emily so Spice. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Emily, thanks so much for joining us. This was fantastic. I think people are gonna find it really helpful. Everyone go follow and Emily. She puts out great content. It's gonna really help you with your nutrition. Thank you, Emily. All right, thanks, Emily.
1: Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I hope you found it motivational, inspirational, educational, organizational. If you did find value in this episode today, it would mean a great deal to me if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this episode on. It really does help to get this podcast in front of other people. Thanks so much for being here.